Good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, please turn to John's Gospel and chapter 20, and I shall read a verse or two from there in a few moments. John chapter 20. I wonder what was the last sign that you saw. Maybe it was the push or pull me sign on the church front door there. I don't know how your brain works, but if I see it say pull, I tend to push it. And if it says push, I tend to pull it. I just, but that's maybe just me. Or maybe it was a traffic sign that you saw. It's hard to imagine life without signs. In the Second World War, all road signs were removed in case we were invaded. And it was thought that that might impede or slow up the enemy. But signs are meant to help us. Some signs can help us get to our destination, like this one. Other signs are designed to keep us safe. And again, thank you. Please do not sit on the crocodile. Some signs are to advise us. Don't let the worries kill you. Let the church help or confuse us. Do you think that can be real? Someone put a sign like that up. Or even amuse us. Sweet dreams are made of cheese. Who am I to disagree? clever. And of course, some signs we ignore at our peril, like this one. So imagine, for instance, and I'm completely making this up, you understand, you had to take your daughter to Heathrow Airport, and she might be called Emma, for instance, I'm just saying, and it was five o'clock in the morning when you dropped her off, and it was six o'clock in the morning that you were coming back from Rygate, and there was no traffic anywhere. And you might just possibly have ignored that sign, Say you were doing 34 miles an hour, for instance. You might have found yourself on a speed awareness course last Monday evening in Redhill. I'm just saying. <laughs> Some signs we ignore at our peril, and we should pay attention. In John's Gospel, the miracles of Jesus are called signs and wonders. Wonderful signs that direct our attention to Jesus. Signs that help us understand who he is. Signs that help you and I to put our trust in Jesus. In John chapter 2 verse 11, at the start of the gospel, Jesus has changed water into wine and we read this. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. A sign pointed to Jesus, revealed his glory, that is who he is, and then they put their faith and believed in Jesus. And towards the end of John's Gospel, John 20, verse 30, John tells us why he writes his Gospel. John 20, verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's turn to John chapter 11. 
where we will see one of these amazing signs that reveal something about who Jesus is and encourage us to believe in him. It's a wonderful sign. It's an important sign that we ignore at our peril. John 11, beginning at verse 11. And Jesus has been informed that his friend Lazarus is unwell. After he said this, Jesus went on to tell his disciples, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. The disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And the number four is emphasised there because the Jews had a superstition that the spirit of the body would hang around for three days and maybe re-enter the body. So the fact that he had been dead four days underlined Lazarus was really dead. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is come into the world. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews would come along also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. In this story, there's not a single word from Lazarus. He gets sick and dies. Well, we all get sick and we all die. It is the words of Jesus that matters. And first we see here, and you might have it on the outline that I've given to you, that Jesus hates death. Jesus hates death. In verse 33 and 38, we see that Jesus is deeply moved. Now that is, of course, in part, compassion. Jesus loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. 
just as he loves you and I. And he shares all our sorrows and griefs. Jesus reveals the compassionate heart of our Father God. One day, God will wipe every tear from our eyes. But for now, there are times when tears flow. But never alone. God cries with us. Verse 35. Jesus wept. But the language here implies more than compassion. Jesus is deeply moved by anger. What is he angry at? He's angry at death. The pain, the grief, the suffering, the separation that death causes. (coughs) Death makes Jesus angry. Well, of course it does. And we should be angry too. Death was never part of God's original plan and purpose for people. In Genesis 1 and 2, we see a picture of life and health, not death. A world teeming with life, life in all its fullness and diversity. And we see there two becoming one, being joined together. A picture of togetherness, life, not separation. In chapter 2 of Genesis, there is a warning about death. It is a warning that we ignored. And in chapter 3, death appears as the bad fruit of our sin and our rebellion against God. Death appears as God's just judgment upon sin. So death is the fruit of our rebellion against God. And the judgment of God against sin. God's creation was so wonderful. Full of light and life. Death is a dark and deadly intruder. That comes to destroy. No wonder Jesus is angry. Jesus hates death. For people were made for life, not death. There have been three occasions in my life when I thought I might have to tell my children that their mum had died. I was never quite sure of exactly what I was going to say, but I knew that I would never say that God had taken her. What sort of God would do that? What would they think for the rest of their lives, perhaps, if I told them God had taken their mother? Death may take, but God welcomes his children into his presence. God is a God of life, not death. God brings people together, not separates. It's death that separates. It's death that is the enemy and the intruder that takes away. Death belongs to the kingdom of darkness, which Jesus came to defeat as the light of the world. Death is not a friend, it is our enemy. And Jesus came to destroy the enemy of death. In 2 Timothy 1.10, and you'll find this verse on your sheet just under point 4, beginning, Grace has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life 
and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus hates death. He was moved in compassion and anger. Secondly, we see that man cannot defeat death. Lazarus died. Mary and Martha loved their brother deeply, but no amount of love could stop Lazarus from dying. Perhaps our modern medicines would have helped him, but not permanently. Sooner or later, Lazarus would still have died, as we all do. Now, of course, man always tries to defeat his enemies, and he's tried many ways to defeat death. Embalming, for instance, or having your body placed in a pyramid and lining it up with the stars for a future life. Or putting your body or your head in a deep freeze. But the obituaries remain the same. Born, died. Born, died. Born, died until Lazarus. Let's read John 11 verse 39. John 11 verse 39. Take away the stone, Jesus said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. I just wonder if Jesus hadn't used Lazarus' name first of all, if all the dead in Bethany would have come out. If he just said, come out. He said, Lazarus, come out. Born, died. Born, died. Born, died. Lazarus. Born, died died, restored to life, and then died. This was not a resurrection to eternal life. This was a restoration to mortal life. Lazarus would still die. I wonder if you're ever worried or scared by death. You could try ignoring death, many people do. You could try to disguise it with pretty flowers. You could build yourself a pyramid. Or you could have your head frozen. Or you could let this wonderful sign direct you to Jesus, who said in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
Jesus hates death. He wept and he was angry. Man cannot defeat death. Lazarus died. Jesus has authority over death. Lazarus, come out. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And it's ironic that on this day, the day that Jesus restored a life, the Pharisees plotted to take a life. Jesus. You can see that in chapter 11, verse 53. Then in chapter 12, after the plotting to take his life, there's a preparation of Jesus for his death by Mary, who anoints him with perfume. And in chapter 12, verse 24, then Jesus predicts his death. He says, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it cannot produce many seeds and a harvest. His death is plotted prepared for and predicted. And finally, in chapter 19, Jesus is crucified. And from the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Turn with me, please, to John chapter 20. John 20, verse 24. It seemed as if the story would end there, but it didn't. John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marked in his hands, put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Once it was born, died, born, died, born, died. Then the sign of Lazarus, born, died, restored to life, died. And then Jesus, the life that was plotted for, prepared for, predicted. He was born, he died, and was resurrected to eternal life. I just wonder if death might have smiled at the vain pyramids man has tried to build. And maybe death giggles at all those brains in freezers. Perhaps death was highly embarrassed by the Lazarus affair, but only temporarily. But with the resurrection to eternal life of Jesus Christ, death has been silenced and defeated. 
Jesus came, Jesus saw death, and was moved to tears and anger. He commanded death. Jesus tasted death. And Jesus rose again in victory over death. And he declares, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. Death is a little bit like a lion, but with no teeth and no claws. And I reckon it's got severe arthritis and mange to boot as well. Don't let death's roar frighten you. If you belong to Jesus, death can claim you, but it cannot keep you. Any more than it could keep Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, repent of our sins and put our faith in him, then we are united with Jesus and we share in his life and in his resurrection to eternal life. And there is nothing in life or death that can separate us from the love of God. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin, that which we deserve, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A life where we read in Revelation, God will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more death, mourning, crying or pain. Amen. I'll close with the letter that God wrote to Lazarus. At least in my mind he did. And there are some copies of this out there, because if you're doing this as a life group, you might need this as part of the questions. From God to Lazarus. I tried to find a card to send you on this special occasion, but couldn't find one with the right words for your somewhat unusual situation. Anyway, I really want to say thank you to you and your sisters, Martha and Mary, for being such good friends to my son, and welcome him him into your home. Jesus really loves being with you all. Now then, Lazarus, you're going to be famous for a while and everyone will want to hear your story. I'm sure there'll be no shortage of free meals coming your way. Well, enjoy. But be careful. Not everyone is a friend to Jesus or his followers. And though you're on cloud nine at the moment, I'm afraid that won't last. Events are about to unfold in a different way to that which you might imagine. I do know that the experience you've just had is very bewildering for you. But be patient and trust me. I promise that in just a few weeks, everything will make a lot more sense. As you know, some of the Pharisees are plotting to kill my son. Wickedness has not yet run its full course. There is great tragedy and sadness to come. But whatever happens, keep believing in Jesus. And even if you can't see him for a while, do not doubt him. Have faith. And do ask Martha what it was that Jesus said about the resurrection. You were dead at the time.
Finally, Lazarus, the recent events in your life, wonderful though they are, are but a sign of something far, far more amazing that's about to happen, which won't be just the talk of Jerusalem, but will be the talk of the whole world. And I am going to change the whole world, Lazarus, for I am the God of life, not death. I am the God of love, and I love the world so much that I have sent my only Son that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have eternal life. Do you believe this? Love God.